Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Melito connors a doctoral-level educational administrator and mental health practitioner focused on helping you, our world's helpers. Every day, we have a choice to prioritize our well-being, to incorporate reflection, recovery, renewal, and resilience strategies into our lives. However, those of us who step up and serve our communities in healthcare, education, nonprofit spaces, and more can struggle with putting ourselves first. I've seen this firsthand. It's a challenge. Enter Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. Here, we have real, intimate conversations with leading experts passionate about accessible, sustainable self-care in its 10 domains. It's all about the hard work we can take on together to find our spotlight. Before we dive into today's guest, I want to talk a little bit about gratitude. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you've heard me mention this topic before, but I have to say it is so important. We take so much for granted in our lives and we just don't take a moment to really recognize all that we have to be grateful for. All the big things, and the small things, and the things that don't even cross your mind. And the really, really cool thing about gratitude is that when you develop a practice and cultivate that attitude of gratitude, there is research to support that it helps rewire neuropathways in your brain to help boost your mood, improve your creativity, improve your relationships, and your overall well-being. What's cooler than that? And today's guest, knows a lot about gratitude, and she's going to share so much of that with us and more. So I am pleased to welcome Lorraine Shadudi to the podcast. Lorraine has been practicing yoga for over 15 years, and through her practice, she found her passion to teach. Lorraine was born and raised in Northern California and has always been fascinated by the mind-body connection. While studying at the University of California in Berkeley, Lorraine took her first yoga class and was captivated by the practice. After years of playing competitive sports, yoga brought a new way to understand physical movement, wellness, and compassion. Lorraine continued her studies and followed her passion by connecting the mind and the body by earning a master's degree at Boston College in counseling psychology. While working as a substance abuse counselor, she brought mindfulness and meditation to patients struggling with addiction. The more stressful the work became, the more Lorraine used yoga to keep herself grounded. She has a tremendous daily gratitude practice for her husband, her son, her whole family, her students, and her friends. They are her greatest teachers. They inspire her, remind her to live life fully and in the moment. She strives to bring yoga off the mat and into daily life by reminding her students that they are infinitely strong and can face life with balance and grace. And here's our conversation. All right, we're ready to go. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. So my first question that I love to ask all my guests, so we're just going to dive right in. How do you like to practice self-care? 
Oh, that is a great question to start with. Let's see. So I think it changes depending on what's going on in life and what our schedule looks like. I think my one non-negotiable is something I don't really talk about a lot. It's almost, you know, one of those things that I sort of squirrel away and weave in and almost don't really think about it until somebody asks me a question like this. So at night and in the morning, I do a little bit of Reiki. I I just oh. get attuned. You know, like there's that self-attunement. You place your hand on your heart. Mm-hmm. You think about the things that apply to getting yourself aligned with some energy. And so I think that is a non-negotiable. So, you know, it's, it happens, you know, this time of year, it's dark outside. So I feel like it happens like in secret almost <laughs> before I'm bothered or somebody comes in to wake me up. I don't set an alarm in the morning. So I seem to usually wake up naturally. And then I do that. I often think about something that went well at when I'm going to bed. So the end of the day, I try and replay something that went great just to feel like I go to sleep in a place that feels like, oh, that was a win. So, you know, self-care. Yeah. It's super simple, almost a little bit private, but it, it's really not. It's nothing, you know, that I can't share with the world. It's just something that is so part of my routine that it almost, it's almost like brushing my teeth. You know, it's really like, it feels like those are the things that keep me feeling okay. Even if everything else is off the rails. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Those are really two powerful practices. And I love how they're yeah. so ingrained in what you do that it's not like, oh, now I have to do my self care, like, because that's not really what it's all about. But really, those things that you can just do that happen naturally that kind of, mm. I don't know, feed your soul and keep you uh, moving forward. I think that's great. I love that it's just become so much of who you are that you don't even have to think about it. I think that's like the, that's the, where we want to get with all of our self-care, I think. (laughs) Yes, I think you're right. And it it does feel like it's nice to have something that really resonates, you know, and I think that's what makes it feel like, oh, I'm taken care of because I know to do it. It's a regular routine, a habit, and it's nothing out of the ordinary. And that's one of my favorite mindfulness techniques when you describe the, you know, asking yourself kind of what went well. I love that because we tend to do the opposite, right? We're always focused on the negative, what we didn't say, what we didn't do, what we didn't, you know, the growing to-do list, whatever, everything we wish, you know, we had and whatever. We just get wrapped up in that instead of Mm. focusing on what went well. And you can almost always, I think, find Mm. something that went well, even on like the most chaotic day. (laughs) Yes. I think you're exactly right. Yes. That's awesome. I love that. Even just showing up for something that didn't go exactly right. right. I at least showed up. I showed up. I was there. (laughs) I put pants on. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yes. I was dressed. I had clothes on. I was there. Yeah. No, for real. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I love that. And I think that plays nicely into a lot of the work that you do around gratitude. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about you have a, I don't know, is it a class, a course, a program, the gratitude adjustment? Exactly. Yes. Um, I'm so glad you know. Yes. It's a course. Um, It's turned into more of a community beyond a course. Like it starts with sort of a curriculum and how you jump in and practices. And then it's turned into this really amazing organic community where people, you know, it started as 
um, 30 days, I think, or maybe it was 21 days in the beginning. So not to inconvenience people, right? Like something quick. And then it turned into 12 weeks and then it felt so powerful. And I think I got to a point where it didn't feel like people needed to quote unquote graduate and we didn't need to end. So I ran it for a whole year. And so it's also, I think I get tired of being like, sign up again now, register here. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, if you want to join for 12 months, let's do that. And that's the core group of people who feel like almost ambassadors to the program so that there could be a rolling admission, but what it is. So it's kind of an online course and community that allows us to use practices that feel pretty straightforward. Um, like they're almost common sense techniques that you hear about, but we operationalize them a little bit more. And I think sometimes gratitude gets a little bit of a bad rap. It can feel like we're glad gaming things mm. or ignoring the negative, but really what it is, it's what you said, we're training our brains because of our negativity bias, it's so easy to see the things that didn't go right. So we use gratitude as a tool just to let your brain remember that things are going right in so many ways mm. so that we can combat the news cycle or the anxiety or the rush of a day or sitting in traffic. And so when you train your brain to see the things that are going right, that are unique to each day, I think it allows our nervous system to relax and then it allows us to be in the moment when things are going right so that we don't miss them. So that's one of the tenets is to use gratitude as a practice to really train your brain. So we use the neuroscience of it to create a habit. And so then from there, we also work in mindfulness and meditation, breath work, and then letting yourself know when you need to be upregulated. So those days when you feel a little bit like you're Velcroed to the couch, how do you use maybe your breath or a little bit of movement to feel like you can get a little bit of energy? And those days when you're like, oh, I'm so anxious, I should just go for a run. How do you stop that cycle and get back to like, I'm just going to rest? So remembering that nothing's bad. You know, we use equanimity to be like, oh, it's none of it's bad. It's all just ways to work with this brilliant body mm. that we all have. That we take The incredible granted. mind. <laughs> yes. And the incredible mind that's probably always spinning on yeah. overdrive. How do we get it to just spin at the right speed so that it helps us? And we're not chasing our tails, but we're not, you know, under the covers. And then how can we get really good at reaching out on our best days and our worst days so that it feels like you've always got a little bit of a lifeline or somebody who's there to share in whatever it is that needs a little bit of, you know, parsing out. So your burdens aren't so big, but the things that you celebrate compound. And then little by little, you're just living a life that you're proud of and doing the things that really require your energy yeah. instead of being in a place where we don't have enough energy or too much coming at us. So not underwhelmed or overwhelmed by life, but just in it in a way that's really real. And I think that's where real activism comes from. And that's where we can decide what's important instead of society telling us like, oh, you should focus on this this week. You should do your whatever it is, latest fad. I don't want any of that. I want the real stuff so that you love your life. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I'm not intermittently doing anything. <laughs> I want to do things on a, in a balanced way, you know? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Really beautiful. And I love to like the neuroscience component of gratitude. Mm. Like this isn't just like, you know, writing down something you're grateful for. Like, yeah, that can certainly be a part of it, but there actually is science yeah. like 
real science that backs this up about how, right. and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that when you cultivate a practice of gratitude, you can actually rewire neural pathways in your yes. brain that helps boost your mood and improve relationships yeah. and productivity and just overall happiness and well-being. That is exactly it. Yeah, and, it. you know, I, it can be boiled down to something really simple or it can be something that you really work as a habit and a practice. Because like you said, we're so quick to see, like if you're giving a speech, you're quick to see the scowling face first instead of seeing the 10 people who are nodding along. Right. So it's just creating that balance of things. You know, seeing the negative helped us survive when we were running from real threats. Now we're sitting in traffic, but upregulated. Mm. And so we just kind of can look around and remember, I'm safe. Something's going right. I got a beating heart. Oh, my lungs work great. I'm okay. Yeah. So what are some ways that folks could start practicing gratitude or maybe inviting some mm. gratitude into their lives? That's a great question. I think, you know, we're so good at seeing a sunset, a sunrise, sunlight. And I think nature really aligns us with the things that work in cycles and work well. So I think even just prioritizing some time outside, it doesn't even have to be a lot, mm. like three, three good breaths in nature I think we'll get you to see a little more clearly. It's like when your glasses get foggy, it reminds me of like, that's when we start to see only certain parts of things and maybe even the negative a little too much. So those three breaths outside first thing in the morning are me cleaning my glasses so that I can realign and see, oh, look at how gorgeous it is. Look at what's working. Yeah. And then, and then you can, so that's on the outside. Then on the inside, maybe it's like that sound of your breath the feeling of your heartbeat, your hand on your heart, all those things are naturally reassuring, will lower your cortisol level. And then you can see like, wow, a lot of things are going right. And here I stand. I'm grateful for the sun, the air, my breath done. Mm. You know, that's so like level simple. one. <laughs> we make it so hard yeah. that we make it like this thing, like, oh, it's one more thing I can't do. It's like, no, no, these need to be like just part of how you show up in the world in order to show up as the yeah. best you possible and i love what just to get started that's such a simple beautiful practice and i think when we add the science then it's like oh i'm not too busy to do something that scientifically works so i think it helps convince people like yep that is worth it it's gonna boost my mood improve my relationships and help me get out of my own way yeah. it's gonna reduce anxiety mm -hmm. so i think a lot of us would do anything to reduce the high level of anxiety when you feel it in your body and through your blood pressure and your breath. And so I think little by little, it moves the needle in the direction of being able to do the things that are important. Yeah. I think sometimes yeah. people feel like maybe it's too obvious. Like how could that work? Mm. Yes. Yes. And it's so interesting. I try and, especially when I teach meditation to try and remind people it's simple, but not easy. Like, it's okay that something's simple. Great. Let's all understand it as best we can, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. And so it's like we're going against the grain. The world will want you to drink your coffee and rush out the door and be upregulated and buy something to fill the void yes. instead of standing still and taking a breath and not buying a darn thing. You don't have to buy an essential oil. You don't have to have a reminder bracelet. Like, just your breath mm -hmm. and the outside air 
done. Yeah, free. But I do think we want to, yeah, we want to buy something. We want the reminder that we are on the path maybe, but yes, simple. Or we're looking for that like quick fix. Like we're looking like it must be yes. this something, this can't be internal. Like I must have to get it somewhere. I must have to go find it, yes. buy it, spend a lot of time doing it in order for it to be valuable or effective. And and I better do it right. Like let me <laughs> listen to that, you know, podcast. Let me read that book, listen to that podcast, follow that person, right. and then maybe I'll know how to do right. it, right? Yeah, there is no right or wrong way to practice gratitude i would say there's no wrong way to practice gratitude yeah, yeah. it reminds and me similar to self-care yeah no exactly 100 yeah. it made me laugh because a couple weeks ago i was at the dentist and it was a new hygienist and doing a cleaning or whatever and she noticed my sweatshirt and she's like oh what is dr mc's self-care cabaret so i started explaining and she's like oh I have so many spa gift cards people just give me a bunch of spa gift cards i was like oh well like that's cool but that's not really self-care. Like spa days are great, but that's not really self-care. And she goes, oh, well, then what is self-care? So I start like rattling off. I'm like, well, we can really look at like how you feed yourself, how you move your body, how you practice self-compassion, mindfulness, how you get sleep. And like I rattled off like this whole thing. And she went, oh, so like the super obvious things. And I was like, yeah, but your mind went to the spa day. So that leads me to believe <laughs> that you didn't know yeah. that that's what like the real meaning of self-care is because society has us all whipped up to think that it's something expensive or it's a spa day or it's whatever. Mm. Yep, exactly. And that's why I love what you teach, too. I mean, just offhandedly being able to mention self-compassion. Right. So somebody who probably has their spa gift card, she's like, wait a second, self-compassion. Mm. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> that how do I do that because I think our society will tell us that you can do a lot of things but self-compassion like when you really come back to what it looks like it's sticky mm. in there like I every once in a while I kind of get closer and closer to real self-compassion and then the old voices come out and then it's like oh sh god now I have to do that real excavating work to <laughs> like really love yeah. who I am in the dark as well and I think just coming back to the gratitude adjustment, that's where it's nice to have other people mm. too. Like it's so tricky to do some of this work alone. And I think that's why the community piece for me has kept me feeling like I can delve deeper on those layers. It's like layers of the earth. Like as you go deeper in self-care, you get to yeah. those deeper layers that really change and get you to look at some of the programming of what you thought was taking care of you. And how it really works. Yeah. So it's good stuff. It is good stuff. Do you also, so within like the gratitude adjustment and, and that having that community, do you also write? Like, do you keep a gratitude journal or gratitude jar, anything like that? Yes, that's a good question. So I do try and write my gratitudes. I'm not as good as I'd like to be. Like, I think I love journaling. I love writing. One of the things that the gratitude adjustment helps me do is I send out a newsletter every week. And so, it's just in my little group or I'll post something. We have a community in a space called Mighty Networks, which is like, so it's outside of social media. So you don't get all distracted by the mm. things. So it's in there. Anyone can post. And so that keeps me regular in terms of finding the things that move the needle, whether it's a great podcast, whether it's an amazing article. And then in my weekly newsletter, I'll send out just it, 
it's like what you would send to a dear friend that you're trying to catch up with. Like, this is what happened this week. This is what I noticed. This is what I found. What do you think of this? Here's a new meditation. Try this breath work. And so that's where I feel like my writing is the most regular. I do keep my own journal and then I do some writing and, you know, make it a little bit cathartic. Sometimes it's burned. Sometimes I keep it. I've been a journaler since I was kind of little, maybe like, I don't know, 14. Mm. Um, so it, it comes and goes and the gratitude journal comes and goes too. The gratitude journal in my mind is probably fuller than the actual written one <laughs> that I keep nearby, you know, so that's how it works. But that gratitude adjustment writing has been a godsend in terms of feeling like I can get out certain things, but keep it in a way that feels therapeutic. So even when I do struggle with something like self-compassion, I'll share it. So I'm not really the teacher in the G in the GA is what we call it. I'm more of another, um, I think I'm the curator. Like if you've ever seen Ready Player One, I feel like I'm the curator <laughs> who gets to sort of bring different tools or techniques and try it out and then see how it works. And so one of the members recently said, you know, in our check-in calls, we have two a week. She goes, you don't always share how you are. So I'm just going to start asking too, so that you have a little bit of airtime. And so it's that kind of network of like, how are you too? Yeah. How are we all doing? And what's the collective energy? Sometimes we even end up talking about like the moon or the phases we're in or the seasons. So yeah, I think my writing practice evolves and changes too. It can be a fickle thing, but I do enjoy putting a little pen to paper. I think it's good for us. Nice. Well, I almost feel like gratitude journaling may be like a, I don't know, a nice gateway into a gratitude practice for people to start with. Um, but certainly yep. I love too even just taking three breaths outside and just admiring the beauty that is around you before diving into your day and going about your business. I love that. But also I, I encourage people because we do talk about gratitude a lot in my workshops too, because it is, it's mm. important. It falls under, I, I kind of place it under the mindfulness and self-awareness domains of self-care. And I always tell people like, you can get creative because usually I'll ask like, so what are you grateful for? And I get the common answers, kids, family, yeah. husband, mm -hmm. um, you know, job sometimes comes up, um, that kind of stuff. But then I'm like, all right, what else? Like, talk to me. There's more. What about the technology that's allowing, like, me to present to you today? Or the legs that walked you into my presentation? Mm. Or even the lights that turned on when you hit the light switch? Or mm. something, foods you like, smells you like, like, sensations, like, really getting into things you can do that you're grateful for, abilities you have, possessions, like, really getting deeper into it like beyond that like friends family loved ones kind of category yes yes so same in level one we try and flesh it out more so it's interesting because I try this practice with my kids and they're always like uh you know <laughs> so I said what made you smile today so in the gratitude adjustment we try and make sure that it's unique to the day so that you're really connecting with what lights you up mm. because you're right. People will say, Oh, I'm grateful for my house, my family. And it starts to lose that real shine and that boost in mood because you're almost immune to it. I forget exactly what it's called, but you start to lose, like, for example, they show videos of kids who were elated on the day they got into college. Like they found out like they're overjoyed. Mm. The whole family's like cheering in the background. And so at Yale, um, they would show that video again when the kids were maybe in the middle of the first semester. And they're like, do you still feel this way 
about the fact that you go to Yale and they're like, no, I'm stressed. There are too many tests. I'm tired. There's no, I don't feel like I'm jumping out of my skin to be here. I'm barely Mm. in my seat doing my work because I'm so stressed. And they sort of lose that elated feeling that they had once upon a time about where they are now. And so that happens in society. Like, oh, I'm grateful for my house, but I also had to replace the furnace. Like you lose the joy and the spark and the real mood boost. And so in the GA, we try and make it unique to the day. Like, oh, I got to hold my seven-year-old who will only be this size for this long. And I noticed, you know, the smell of his hair. I noticed that he just melted into me or so... I've started asking my kids, what made you smile today? I like So that. that they feel the unique boost of something that actually happened. And then it's twofold. Then they relive it. Then you get the boost again. Yeah. So if you pick what's unique to the day, you write it down. And then a week later, you go back. Oh, yeah, that was a really great Monday night lasagna <laughs> that we all shared. And everybody laughed and we paused, you know, so it's amazing to make it as specific as possible so that we don't lose the connection to it because we're so good at chasing the next thing. Like, oh yeah, I got this house, but I'm looking forward to getting a house in that other neighborhood or Or doing a renovation. But yeah, yes. Yeah. So I think it's important for humans to really let themselves savor what's going right as it's happening. And then maybe even revisit it and be like, oh, that's right. Our life is rich and wonderful. And I don't want to forget that Christmas of 2022 when, you know, so yeah. in any case. I like that. What made you smile today? Yeah. That might be the yep. episode title. And it's, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's also goes back to like laying in bed at night. What went right today? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, can I just replay those wins of the day so that I feel like I'm drifting off into that place? Like, yes. Things are things lined up just so like, how did I get to work? All green lights. <laughs> Something was working in my favor. That's awesome. I love it. And I think that's a there's a lot of takeaways that folks can start cultivating into their own lives here from from what you're sharing. So thank you for that. Did you hear the news about our exciting new offering from the self-care cabaret? We're calling it Talk Back. If you're familiar with the theater space, you may have participated in a talkback before. After a performance, the cast and crew will come back on stage to chat with the audience and answer questions. Think of it as a casual, guided discussion. Inspired by this and by popular interest, we've come up with a talkback for the Self-Care Cabaret podcast. Groups will listen to a podcast episode or two of their choosing. Then I'll come and lead your discussion, either in person or virtually, of those episodes, expanding on the big ideas. It's a great option for groups looking for short, impactful professional development or smaller teams looking to get an introduction to self-care and well-being. We have done a few of these so far, and let me say, they have been so much fun. So if you're interested in bringing a talk back to your group or organization, email podcast at drmcselfcare.com. And now, on with the show. We're going to shift gears just a little bit, because you also yeah. do um, teach yoga, as well as meditation, and of course, your work in gratitude adjustment. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about kind of your philosophy of yoga and how you see that being transformative and a great self-care practice. Mm. Yay. Yes. It's so interesting. So I used to work in substance abuse. So I went to grad school and wanted to be um, 
you know, I got my degree in counseling psychology. And so I was working in the field of substance abuse. I was working at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in their inpatient outpatient unit for substance abuse. And as much as I loved it, I felt so drained. Mm. And it was a field that didn't have a lot of resources and a ton of turnover. I, I loved working in it. And I also worked in suicide prevention because they both go so deep so fast. Like you don't have time to really like, you know, what made you smile today? Like there's not like, <laughs> no, you're well past that. Like yeah. you-, you are like in the trenches of like intake and family support and family meetings. And so it's a long way of saying it was an amazing way to look at what makes humans work and what do we need in life. And I felt like the one place where I felt like I could downregulate when I was doing that work was when I would take a yoga class mm. And it brought me back into my own body and helped me just let go a little bit and feel like things were going to be fine. So I think when I was working in the field, there wasn't exactly that connection of like, is this going to be okay? Is this person going to make it through? Am I, or am I going to release them and then see them again next week? So there was a lot of like swimming and uncertainty and fear and some real issues. And so I needed a place where it felt safe to refuel and go back out there again. Like it was like I was in the trenches and I needed to have a bunker where I was okay. And that was yoga. Mm. And so little by little, it felt like I could talk to people about deeper stuff when I was at yoga. And then it felt like that's where I feel my healthiest because my nervous system was safe. And so I wanted to do more of that. And that's what I think yoga really is. You know, I teach in a studio and I think about how to make yoga accessible, how to think about what people are feeling and what they might be struggling with. And so I think the real yoga practice does involve breath work, does involve feeling safe and steady. And the movements are secondary Mm -hmm. to what it means to align just by laying down on your back and feeling the ground behind your head. So you don't have to guess, do I have to put my chin forward or back? Do I have to drop my shoulders or lift them? You're safe. And there's none of that mental negotiating. So I think that's where yoga can start. And that's where it's the most accessible. And then you can move through your hips or your low back and feel like, oh, it's cranky. And that's okay. And so a real practice, I think, is involved with being able to check in without feeling like you have to fit in. Mm. You know, I think sometimes in a studio, there's a little bit of pressure to keep up even like, what's that move? Like, are they doing aerobics? Are they doing (laughs) yoga? So, you know, absolutely. I've been in some yoga classes where I'm like, what? And what is this? (laughs) Yeah. And so I think like, that's not really it, but that's like the society ego icky version of it making us feel that you know you have to look a certain way you have to be super flexible you have to be able to bend yourself into yeah. a pretzel or like yoga isn't for you so that's why a lot of people i think don't right. try they don't see themselves yeah. in right so one of the things we got to do as interns at the inpatient outpatient substance abuse clinic is create little workshops for them and so one of mine was about letting them get back in their body which didn't always feel safe. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty scary. So the first things I did was just let them feel some support, whether they were sitting or laying down and then feel some breath. And so then I would 
let that be yoga. Like we get to do yoga today. And it was kind of like, what do you mean yoga? And then I was like, just feel yourself supported, give yourself a little room to fidget and move. And then let's do a little breath where you can feel safe mm. and let's count for the breath so that your brain doesn't go to the places that don't feel safe in your head or the places that are scary. And so that's what yoga started to be just a little structure, a little safe nervous system spot. And then little by little, you know, I teach full classes and I try and bring a bit of both um, from what I learned as a substance abuse counselor. And then what I know as a yoga practitioner and, you know, weaving in some gratitude and some breath work and then thinking about where we are as a society and what people really need. So it's one of the places where I feel like I can be creative and I can use some exercise science a little bit so the bodies feel good, but then neuroscience so that brains feel good. And then the philosophy of yoga to bring them both together. Mm. So yeah, it's always evolving. And I get to teach one of my favorite things too, is I get to teach teachers to teach so that they can bring in their experience and find their voice and figure out what feels important when they offer something under this huge umbrella of yoga. What does it mean for them? And how can they bring it into other populations? You know, people who are limited with mobility or people who suffer from trauma. Yeah. So yeah, still, still growing phases. It's good so stuff. So you teach sure. other teachers you know, to how yes. to teach yoga? Cool. Other yoga I do. Teachers. It's not just me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So at our studio, we have kind of a group of teachers, which I love because then I have a physical therapist who's part of our staff. Mm. I have other teachers who are teaching, some who love teaching restorative, some who want to really look at what it means to make yoga accessible and how that would take shape. And does it fit? How far is something that has universal design in yoga? how far is it from what you see in a studio and how can you bridge them? So we get to have conversations like that and maybe even move along the yoga that we see in the studio that doesn't fit and create places where there is room for all involved. Yeah. And I love, I'm just going to go back a little bit when you were talking about you kind of turned to yoga cause you needed a way to manage your own stress and anxiety and working in that field. And I just think that's really important to highlight that self-care is other care. And we talk about this a lot because a lot of times people feel like, you know, we because society, again, makes us feel like it's mm -hmm. selfish or it's time consuming mm -hmm. or whatever. It's not like this is how you can then show up to do that hard work that you were doing um, with, with the patients, with, with substance abuse clients, with substance abuse issues and whatnot. So being able to take care of yourself in that regard made you better able to care for them. Absolutely. And it reminds me of a yoga concept that doesn't get much airtime, I think because it's hard for some people to really understand it, but it's interconnection. And I think when you think about self-care and interconnection, you can't take care of you without the rest of the world feeling the benefit of the care that you took. So if you and I get to practice, if you and I practice these bits of self-care, we're nicer on the road when we're driving, hopefully, <laughs> sometimes, most of the time maybe. We're a little nicer when we're in the aisles of the grocery store. We're a little easier, quicker to react when a kid jets out in front of the car in the parking lot. You know, we're not on high alert that we didn't see them. So it affects all of us when any one human is a little more aware, is able to see what's going right, 
has their reflexes and their wit about them because they're not overstressed and burned out and fried and tired and angry mm. and quick to fly off the handle. So I think the more we can see that, the easier it is to remember, oh yeah, it's like the ripple in the pond. I'm going to throw my stone here and it's going to ripple out and who knows how far it'll go, but I will hold space for anyone who needs that connection to peace and calm and steadiness. Even if I'm just holding it in this moment, maybe that will increase my own capacity to hold some space for you when you need it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And going back to like yoga poses and a yoga practice, Mm. I mean, there definitely are accessible classes out there and classes that cater to different ability levels. Um, And it is worth it to find those classes and to find the, the resources to um to access it or even just do it online if that helps but you don't have to do anything crazy to feel the benefits of it I usually I'm not um a yoga teacher per se but I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on and I'll even like just teach folks in my presentations about just simple things you can do in a chair at your desk in your Mm. office in your classroom wherever just connecting your body, getting back into your body with some gentle stretching and breathing and how powerful even just that can be. Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of what you said at the beginning when we were talking about going outside and taking a few breaths. It can be really simple and really powerful. And I think, you know, that being enough, I think we're in a society where that's where the question comes, you know, am I enough? Is it enough? And I think we constantly subconsciously even ask, is it enough to just do two minutes of yoga? Is it enough to do two minutes of meditation? And I think the answer is yes. Just like every, I want everybody to be able to say yes to, is it enough when it comes to ourselves, when it comes to our self-care, when it comes to our practices, a little can go a long way. Yes. So Yes. A little does go a long way. So yeah, a little bit of a somewhat silly question. What's your favorite yoga yeah. pose? That is a great <laughs> question because it changes all the time. So um, I have been loving, uh, I, we always start a class laying on our backs at LPY, the studio where I teach. So it's a pose that we've taken and named so that it feels really purposeful. It's called constructive rest. Most people like it. You lay on your back, knees bent. So knees are pointing to the sky, feet on the ground. And then if you add just a space with your arms open in a goalpost, it gets your chest open so you can breathe and you can feel the head, your head on the ground. So that's one where I just feel like it's a great equalizer of you know, steadying, grounding, being present. And then if anything aches and you notice it, it's also a good clue to remember that you can connect in ways that maybe you fidget or move so that your body feels comfortable and safe and not achy or tired. Mm. But if, if it is achy, you're able to move from that too. So it's a posture that has enough flexibility, no pun intended, <laughs> to be able to customize it so that you feel safe and steady with some breathing room and the fact that it's a real quote-unquote real yoga pose I think gives people some room to legitimize that connection to feeling grounded and steady without having to again do a whole lot of sort of performance-based movement if your ankle doesn't feel good maybe a warrior one doesn't feel good today so the hope is that that gives us a, a starting point 
a literal starting point. Love it. That's all you need, right? It's just a starting point. Yes. Wherever that is. Some room to arrive. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Now you've mentioned so much, so I want to make sure that folks know like where to find you. You've mentioned the yoga studio that you're at, the gratitude adjustment. Is that through the yoga studio or is that separate? So where can folks find you and connect with you? Uh, thanks for asking. It's a great question. I teach at LPY Yoga and we've branded LPY as live practice yoke and yoke is that idea of bringing things together. So that's the studio. We have a location in Lexington, one in Woburn. The gratitude adjustment is through LPY Yoga. It was started in 2018, I think, and it's been continuing, got us through the pandemic in terms of keeping us all connected. And we were using Zoom even before the world was using before Zoom. Before it was so trendy? That's through there. <laughs> yes. I barely knew how to use it. I messed up all the time. It was on my phone. I'm like, Can I-, I can't even see you. And now we're like pros, yeah, right? Sure. We're all pros um, with and Zoom. Then Yes, exactly. So one kicks off January 22nd and they're kind of rolling. And then we're now we've evolved to have a community and mighty networks. So that's through there. And then I also run a meditation challenge. It's only a month usually, but it's a way to get people to feel like meditation is accessible. It's a practice that you can weave into your day. And then you have check-ins. They're on Zoom so that you can ask questions because when you're meditating and it feels challenging, it's easy to think you're doing it wrong. And so I, mm. I want us to have conversations about what actually happens once you close your eyes and try to do that practice and how there are different ways to do it. And it doesn't have to look like this blissful mountaintop thing that you're bad at. So in any case, I run a meditation challenge a couple times a year. I think I'll run one in February. And then teacher training, we have two a year. One kicks off in spring and one in fall. And we have two levels of that. So every almost everything I do is through LPY Yoga. We're doing a retreat in March, going to the Woodstock Inn in Vermont. So, you know, yearly there are places that feel like benchmarks for me to keep working these self-care practices and letting them go deeper. I think I'll probably do a gratitude adjustment retreat, which is maybe a little more local where the people can um, let themselves indulge in the practices and really just feel what it's like to take hikes and talk about, you know, some of the things that percolate and come up and feel the practices of breath work and meditation. Mm get a little upregulated, get a little downregulated and try and find what works. So, and then, you know, I, I try and share on social media. I'm not great because it's, <laughs> it's tough to be in that world of not enough and tons of content. Um, but I will post things here and there that, you know, help, help with this stuff and get the word out about how amazing it is to just take a few breaths here and there and meditate and have a community. Awesome. And what, so the, the social media handle on Instagram for LP, why, or for you, for you or both. So I'm currently in charge of the LPY yoga um, (laughs) social media just because things have shifted. So that's yes. On Instagram, it's LPY yoga. And I think it's the same on Facebook and we don't have um, TikTok or anything else. So those are the two. Maybe and then it's my in last name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then it's my last name for Instagram handle. So it's Shaduti, um on Instagram. And there you'll see more of my personal life with the kids and the 
family and our dog and stuff like that. Awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much for coming to hang out with us today on the podcast. I very much appreciate it. I think you've given us lots to think about. We'll make sure that there's some links in the episode notes for folks to access the websites and whatnot and hopefully begin cultivating their own attitude of gratitude. Oh, Teresa, thank you so much. Lorraine shared such excellent info about gratitude and so much more. And really, practicing gratitude is such a powerful thing to do. So what have you got to lose? Give it a try. And get creative with how you practice gratitude. Think about all the little things every day that you take for granted. And I love the reminder that really good self-care can be simple, easy, and free. Yes, 100%. This is what I'm talking about and what I teach in my presentations and what I share on social media. And as always, remember to reflect on what made you smile, not just today, but every day. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're feeling more energized and empowered. If you like what you heard here today, subscribe and leave a review for this podcast on your preferred platform. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self Care and Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret on LinkedIn. You can also visit my website, drmcselfcare.com, for the latest updates and to sign up for the Cast Party, my e newsletter. And if you're interested in having me present to an audience near you, email info at drmcselfcare.com. Thanks again. Stay well and do good. There is one other thing that I think I might be remiss if I didn't talk yeah, about go it. For it. So I have a, an 11 year old who has type one diabetes and he was diagnosed when he was seven. Mm. And so we also do a yearly challenge. So Ooh, okay. this is something that challenged me to the core of my being. And so every, every time he had to do something that felt painful when he was, you know, littler, I would say, if I could take this, I would. Mm. And so I came up with a fundraiser that forces me to put my money where my mouth is. And it's a fundraiser for juvenile diabetes research Juvenile Diabetes Research Fund is the actual organization. And I challenge people to do a cold plunge. Trust me, I hate the cold. <laughs> I'm not always sure why I do this, but I definitely look at my now 11 year old and he is my why. Um, but so my birthday is December 29th and I was originally born in California. So it was no big deal there. We always celebrated, moved to the East Coast and it's like the worst day of the year. <laughs> it's always freezing cold. There's, a, you know, whatever. So I have a little personal pity party and then I get over it. Um, but so I do my cold plunge on my birthday and invite other people to join. And if they don't join, that's fine too. They can always come and hold the towel, but we go to Walden pond. We jump in for like two seconds. Um, and 
raise money for juvenile diabetes. So that feels like it's also as much part of my purpose as the gratitude adjustment and meditation and yoga. It's just another way to like shock the system mm. and remind ourselves that we can do the things that give us some room to be proud of ourselves. Yeah. I think that really plays into the spiritual domain of self-care, like your why and seeing the larger purpose and the, mm. you know, kind of the the bigger picture of things and for ourselves and meaning and, and all that good stuff. So absolutely. Thank yes. you for sharing. I don't think this episode is going to come out until after that. So perhaps oh, folks will join you right. next year or if there's, Perfect. if there's a way and you want to share a link, we can definitely throw a link um, to the fund that you raise money for. I assume folks could donate at any time. Absolutely. So we can link that yes. in the episode notes too. Perfect. They can, Thank happy you. Happy to anybody can do their own plunge after the fact in um, Lorraine's honor. <laughs> yes, share and I will be right there cheering you on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. I'll see you soon. Bye.